Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Projects Manager here at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Andy Patisha. He's the CEO of Cannabis Facility Construction. That company focuses on cannabis facility design build projects, which includes cultivation, dispensaries, and processing. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Andy. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'd like to start this conversation off by just getting to know you a bit better, uh, learning about your background, your experience before working in this cannabis space. Sure. So um, I'm a trained architect. Uh, we actually were an architectural practice and 29 years ago became really tired of most of the challenges that people have with general contractors. So we started out and created a design build company really in the easiest entry point, but the hardest work there is. Mm -hmm. High-end customer residential in old houses while people were living in them. And so the lessons that we learned and the relationships that we developed really helped us further our business. And being entrepreneurs, we were able to take advantage of opportunities that came across our desk. So as we looked at design build really much differently than most design builders that are really build designers or really contractors that hire out our architects or that they associate with architects more along the lines of getting total control of the project. We looked at it a lot differently and we looked at it differently in that the design was important and we wanted to be a little bit different in the respect that most contractors, when you do the typical design bid build process, contractors and architects usually end up putting the homeowner in the middle of being the arbiter of issues. We said we can offer a much better, uh, much better result. And so we decided that we were going to be transparent and that we were going to be fee-based as opposed to being a percentage uh, of a, um, uh, of a sale. And this way we have a vested interest in how long a job takes and no vested interest in making it cost more money. And so again, being opportunistic and entrepreneurial as our clients and as our other architects and other designers that we'd work with decided that uh, going the relationship route and going by our method seemed to be a good fit with them, we started doing commercial work. So we developed a boutique commercial practice of law office and medical office and banquet facilities, still retaining our high-end residential work. Mm-hmm. And then years later, we ended up merging with two other, uh, two other guys. One I went to college with, and the other one was actually a past client of ours that had retired and was looking for an opportunity and their business was nothing that we did. It was exterior improvements, both for individual single families and for larger scale commercial projects, window siding, roofing, replacement and repairs. And they also did um, larger scale projects that were value add in the multifamily space where we uh, would go in and we would 
turn over five multifamily units every three days, uh, moving people in and out, uh, more along the lines of um, student housing, affordable housing, senior housing. And so we really worked along those two verticals up until five years ago when one of our commercial clients approached uh, us and said, hey, we, we won three medicinal cannabis dispensaries here in Illinois, and uh, we, uh, we, know, we don't know what we're doing, and we know you probably don't know what you're doing, but you're our design-build partners, and uh, we're going to figure it out together. So we got involved and designed and built three dispensaries here, and uh, as our clients grew, uh, so did we, and so all of a sudden, a small local company that worked within a three-hour radius of our office became a national, uh, national company. Wow, got it. So it sounds like you've definitely gone across a lot of various different types of design build projects and and services. And when you started working with cannabis companies with those dispensaries, was it was was that surprising for you, or did do you already have a relationship with the cannabis plant, or did you have a little hesitance getting involved? <laughs> so I chuckle because. Um, if any people who now know me and know that we are a national company that has done work and currently doing work in eight states with, I think by the end of the year, we're going to have somewhere between 28 and 30 units between cultivations and dispensaries uh, under our belt. And people who knew me before this would be laughing to know that this is the industry that's launched me into a national business because <laughs> I've actually never tried the product at all. And uh, it's, it's not for any moral or ethical reason. It's, it's really a practical one. When I was going to college, the only access to cannabis that you had was to smoke it, and I wouldn't smoke anything. And, of course, back then I had absolutely no idea other than just the high that you would get from it, what benefits that you could possibly uh, obtain from cannabis. And I've, I've absolutely come to learn uh, all of the medicinal benefits, and I'm a huge proponent of of the product. Certainly, from a medicinal standpoint, I I pass no judgments on the recreational standpoint, as uh, there are certainly other other recreational vices such as alcohol that that myself and other people imbibe in. Um, but um, uh, there was no real hesitation uh, as far as us getting into it. Again, because I, I have no uh, no reason to not uh, be involved in it. There was no uh, stigma in my mind attached to it. There was uh, nothing uh, as far as feeling like I was going to be in the drug business because the, the reality of it is, is is that I'm not and I wasn't. We we just happened to have been able to create a nice vertical within the industry. Absolutely. Well, I bet your company barbecues are more interesting now than <laughs> maybe the average construction company. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, yeah, well, you'll just have to come and find out. <laughs> oh, I'm invited. Perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> so awesome. Great. Well, now you are CEO of Cannabis Facility Construction. You are members of NCIA as well. So thanks for supporting the advocacy work that we're doing in Washington, D.C. that allow these dispensaries and cultivations and processing to make some progress on ending these harmful laws, the federal laws, everything from banking to 280E of the tax code and, and other issues as well. Um, so 
tell me more about uh, your role at Cannabis Facility Construction and what's going on with the company these days and how big your company is. Sure. So in the last five years, as I said, we we went from a, sl- a small local company working within a three-hour radius of our office. And we did hit some states outside of Illinois and Wisconsin and Indiana and Michigan um, to a, a multi-state company still based out of Illinois. Mm-hmm. And our the size of our company has, uh, we've gone up two and a half times and our revenue has gone up four times in the last five years. And so it's really an exciting time for us because um, we, we not only have been able to garner the benefits of working nationally, which is a completely different methodology than just locally. Mm-hmm. Um, we have learned so much about the industry and we have learned so much about what it takes to grow and become a real company beyond just a mom and pop organization where the business, and, and as I mentioned, we've got three verticals in our business, cannabis facility construction, just being one of them that um, we have, have now, and in all three verticals, by the way, uh, interestingly enough, our partners' names are not in the titles of any of those businesses. And we did that for a reason. We always thought big business thinking as opposed to small business thinking in that the business was bigger than us and we wanted to create something that was uh, going to be long lasting for not only ourselves, but for our teammates and our, and our trade partners and our supplying partners that could go on beyond any of our desire to work or, or any of our ability to work. And what has happened as a result of this opportunity is it's really given us the, uh, it's paved the pathway in order to allow that to happen. So it's really an exciting time for us. We, we continue to expand the business into, as I said, we started out with one particular client uh, that ended up uh, becoming a national business. And we now have uh, one other client that is also a national business. And of course, we've got several other uh, one-off uh, projects that we do as they come, as they come uh, before us. But the, the, the real opportunity for us and the real excitement for us is, is that people, especially in this industry, they seem to get it, uh, what we have been hoping to, uh, that other people would get, and we've been practicing and preaching for 29 years, in that there is much more benefit to be able to uh, align yourself with a partner that takes care of the things that really aren't in your wheelhouse so that they can concentrate on those things that are in their wheelhouse running their business, developing uh, products, uh, expanding their business, um, looking at new opportunities, developing uh, employees on their side and not having to worry about, do I have to stay on top of my design builder? Do I have to look over my shoulder to, to make certain that I'm not being overcharged or they're not forgetting something? Um, and so it's, it's, it's really become an exciting time. And for me, having been doing this a while, it has sort of reinvigorated my interest in, in the construction business to begin with. I, I've been very fortunate in the other two verticals of our business. We've done some really interesting and really exciting projects from, like I say, the high-end residential to the multifamily work. But there's nothing that has, is as unique in the industry as this is because it's evolving on a, on a daily basis, really. When I look at uh, products and uh, when I look at uh, processes that, were being thought about five years ago. And I see how fast that they are coming to fruition and how they've come to fruition and thinking ahead 
how much faster they're going to come to fruition. It's, it's really an exciting, it's an exciting time. Yeah, I think that's fantastic, Andy. It seems like maybe the icing on the cake to have your your passion and creativity in your trade reinvigorated by working in the cannabis space, which is not surprising to me. Cannabis is a pretty inspirational movement and definitely brings people together. Um, on that note, I think we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back and talk with Andy Patisha of Cannabis Facility Construction. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer & Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We are tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really One Toke Over the Line. I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany from NCIA, and we're talking with Andy Patisha from Cannabis Facility Construction. And let's just jump right in. When we talk about building our businesses, we often think about the software and the people and the computers and the resources, but there's also the actual building 
where we have our businesses indoors. So specifically these huge cultivation and manufacturing warehouses and buildings, your company's focusing on the actual buildings, the walls and the roof and meeting the needs of those companies. And you're working in several medical and adult use states across the U.S. And knowing that compliance and regulations are a huge part, a mantra, if you will, of our industry's focus. I wonder what some of the differences you've seen from your perspective in working across these different states are. So there are, there are lots of differences, actually, and you can only imagine that um, many states, um, and I think even before Illinois, they sort of tried to invent their own way. And I'm not so sure that they looked at anybody else to see what works and what doesn't. And I do know that from based on uh, what I've been told, and of course, you know, this is you know, beyond my pay grade, but based on what I've been told from other people, other license holders and other experts in the industry, that Illinois is now being used as the basis in which many of these other states are trying to formulate their um, commission rules and regulations, and which is great because Illinois uh, certainly was the most restrictive in, in the states that we had worked in, uh, at least initially. And um, I think for the most part, they were, you know, fairly pragmatic. And um, I, the thing is, is that the success of, of, of being able to get one of these projects off the ground is really twofold. One, you have the what you can and what you cannot do. And that that really is as simple as just making sure that you read the laws and you read the regulations. And when there's ambiguity, to be able to contact people who either are part of the uh, people who form the regulations and or are administrating them, or people who are have already done dispensaries and cultivations within the state. And you'd be surprised, actually, or maybe you wouldn't be surprised that there are so many people who, even though they're competitors, they're certainly willing to talk about war stories and battle stories with um, with uh, other other competitors. And you know, they realize that it's it, it's not really about giving away their secret sauce because that's really more along the lines of their operations and the materials in which they're they're producing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they're really helpful in being able to give advice and being able to steer people in the right direction. And I just think that that you know you have to be very cognizant there are no ways around these regulations there are definitely some areas that require interpretation and my experience uh would tell me to tell whomever is listening that don't be the arbiter of the interpretation make sure you get it from somebody that knows or has had an experience Mm, yes very good advice um, sometimes legalese can be written in language that isn't exactly clear. So it's, it's good to have somebody with, with either direct experience having interpreted that, or maybe a lawyer who <laughs> lives and breathes the legalese language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are- and, and, you know, and, and actually to, to me, although there is interpretation there, I think, I don't think that's really the challenge. I think the biggest challenge to doing this kind of work is really finding the right people that are good listeners and understand that it's not just about the knowledge you have in construction and design. It's not just about being on the cutting edge of new equipment. It's really being uh, a good listener because most people, uh, most people will tell you that good design really is about 
helping people articulate that which they cannot do themselves. Because if they did, they wouldn't need architects and designers and engineers. They would just be able to get it down on paper. The, the key is, is if you're a good listener and you're able to extract that information from a client, then what you can do is get them to explain really what it is they're trying to accomplish from a, a, an operation standpoint, from an environment standpoint. And then that's what you do is you, you sort of take what they tell you and then you, then you mix it with the knowledge and the experience that you have, and then you're able to create successful projects. Yeah. That's the yeah. harder part. Got it. Got it. Well, as you've been in this role, helping various cannabis companies in different states, even, um, you're seeing a little bit of the ins and outs of their businesses. Um, so what advice for licensees might you have in addition to having good people and being a good listener um, that, are, that are just maybe expand their business? So I would say two things that I've seen that seem to be challenges. Um, know what you know and know what you don't know. And what you don't know, get people around you that you want to have working alongside of you with the same interests. So, you know, there's a couple of ways in our business that, that I see, you know, a couple of directions. One is uh, the transaction where you're just hiring somebody to, to make you a widget, or you're looking for a relationship where you know that the people who you're working with have your back and are thinking about the things that you might not be. You know, what impact does this direction of design or this piece of equipment or what does maintenance look like? What does longevity look like? What does expansion look like? I think those things are just really important. And it's, it's important to recognize that you know, it's not your area of expertise. So find people that, that, that have that expertise and that have that willingness to be invested with you along the way. I think that's really huge. I think the other thing is, and it goes along with the word investment, is that to make sure that you are capitalized properly. I've seen lots of mistakes because people just aren't realistic with their, not only their outlay for what it takes to design and build a project, but what it takes from an operation standpoint. And that, um, you know, as it is, uh, the economy is going so well that it's hard to find good people to work. And I think that you have a lot of that as well in the industry. People, you know, uh, you kind of have to wade through a lot of stuff to be able to find the the needles in the haystacks. And, And that may mean that you may have to go through some people, you may have to you know, go through some policy and some procedure and some operations. And I don't think if you're fun, if you're not funded well, um, it's going to be a short lived opportunity. Mm-hmm. So everything's always more expensive than you think it's going to be. Uh, that's true in life for me, like at the grocery store or Target. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you, with few exceptions in life, you truly get what you pay for. Um, and I think the the hardest thing for people of my era and older, and I'm in my 50s, uh, is that for some reason, we still seem to be searching for that needle in the haystack. And the one thing that I think the, the millennials have found is that the one thing that you, they don't make any more of is time. So if you can save somebody time and aggravation, uh, they're willing to pay a little bit more money for it. And, and if you look at most of the things that cost more money, that's usually a function mm-hmm. of what they are today. It's, it's, they're made better. They last longer. They're easier to service. When you have service on something, it, it happens with less hassle. And, and I just think that, again, it's just the few dollars you think you save up front end up costing you time, which you, you can't buy back. That is so true. Absolutely. So we've got about a minute and a half left, but um, before we take our next commercial break, I wanted to ask uh, about 
you know, building regulations in cannabis. And so I'm sure there's a long list, a mile long scroll of regulations. So let's say you are an operator, you want to build a fancy new facility of some kind, you've got your bags of money, you got a nice piece of land, but it's just not that simple, I'm sure. So could you quickly kind of unpack some of these layers of challenges that your operator might encounter when they're at that stage? So I think it, I think it goes in in front of that. Really, it goes back to uh, the application for licensure. And I think that the thing that people have to make sure they understand is is whatever they're going to commit to to get that license. Because I you know I, I know in in most states it's you know you submit for licensure and, and you're judged and there's a point system and you're awarded on a lot of different criteria. Not the least of which is what you're telling them you're building. And I would tell you, whatever you're going to commit to building, you better make sure you build because they, the jurisdictions today, as they're getting more sophisticated, as it's becoming, uh, as the industry is becoming more mature, they're enforcing. If you said you were going to put a bulletproof in something, you're going to have to put a bulletproof in something. If, mm. they, if you said you're going to make your vault a certain size with a certain uh, resistance to a break-in, you're going to have to do that. Um, there, you know, there's lots of things that, that you're not in control of, uh, because the, the regulations state that you have to provide, uh, so much security and the security has got to be backed up for so long and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, stored for so long. But I think that that's really the biggest thing. I think that, that if you, if you start that early in the planning stage and you know, and you're thinking about it holistically, that this is what you're committing to, this is the land you found. Um, what kind of a building can I actually put on this piece of property? Then you start looking at things like, okay, so how many, how big of a facility can I build and what ancillary parts and pieces do I need to support that facility, mm -hmm. such as parking and, and, and what, what do I have to do for water retention or detention? Mm -hmm. um, I think those things are, are, those things aren't unique to cannabis, uh, it, with the exception of odor mitigation, that that's one mm -hmm. that is is absolutely becoming uh, a, a, an issue, and it's because it's going to become a bigger issue. The more on the yeah. cultivation side, certainly, the more uh, production facilities we have, the more uh, odor control, odor mitigation is going to be an issue. Got um, it. Got but, it. Um, so not a lot of wiggle room there in whatever your initial plan is. Got it. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's jump and take our last commercial break and, and then come back and wrap up our discussion with Andy Patisha from Cannabis Facility Construction. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. The National Cannabis Industry Association's third annual California Cannabis Business Conference takes place October 8th and 9th in Long Beach, California. Register today at CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com and take part in the only industry trade show focusing solely on the California market hosted by the cannabis industry's only national trade association. NCIA's California Cannabis Business Conference brings together thousands of cannabis industry leaders, policymakers, and entrepreneurs to discuss California-specific regulations, market trends, policy, advocacy, and research. The California Cannabis Business Conference will also feature over 60,000 square feet of expo floor, showcasing over 200 exhibits. 
Make your plans now for NCIA's third annual California Cannabis Business Conference, October 8th and 9th in Long Beach, California. Register today at CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. That's CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we've been talking with Andy Paticia from Cannabis Facility Construction. So I have a question for you. NCIA's 10-year anniversary is next year in 2020. So, wow, 10 years of a cannabis trade association. (laughs) So we're asking people to... One, reflect on the progress our industry and movement has made in the last 10 years since 2010, which has been a whole hell of a lot. And to also look into the future and make some predictions or maybe some wishes, um, hopes for the next 10 years from 2020 to 2030. So really interesting question to reflect on it's it's kind of a heavy one but what kind of thoughts are coming to mind for you there so uh you know 10 years was uh five years before we got involved in the industry so i i didn't really even know that nci even existed and when we got involved in the industry like we have in in the general construction industry we try to align ourselves with professional organizations because they afford us the ability to be able to get information within the industry and make good connections and good networking uh, where we wouldn't be able to do that except through a grassroots effort. And of course that would take many, many years. And so, uh, you know, we like the fact that NCIA is national. We like the fact that they are on the cusp of knowing what is happening with general information as well as uh, with legislation 
And uh, I, I think that as cannabis continues to be more accepting, certainly on the medicinal side and even on the adult use side, and as we start moving towards um, federal uh, legalization, uh, which if you were to ask me this five years ago, I thought we had a 10 to 12 year window. And I think that's, although I don't have a crystal ball, I think that's going to happen much faster given um, how quickly states and more states are, are, are jumping onto the bandwagon here. And so mm-hmm. I, would just, I would just hope that NCIA would continue its good work and continue to uh, provide all of its members with um, the first hand knowledge of what's out there being on the cutting edge of, of what's out there and, and what's to come so that we can be prepared as we're going to market with our future clients and to be able to talk to our teammates and suppliers and, and trade partners so that they can prepare as uh, for what's coming down the pike. Absolutely. Well, we strive to provide great education opportunities. So thank you for saying all that, Um, both for those who are new to the industry and those who are veterans to the cannabis movement and industry. So our 2020 events calendar is definitely going to be jam-packed. We've added two new national conferences uh, there's going in addition to our big summer conference, the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. We also have the California Cannabis Business Conference, which has been running three years. Um, and in 2020, we're also adding a Midwest Cannabis Conference and a Northeast Region Cannabis Conference. So it's just like you said, all these states all across the country are really coming online with either medical or adult use every year. Uh, so all of our businesses are quickly expanding and we're, we're heading to those regions and it's really exciting. For me, I'm from Maryland, D.C. area in that northeast region. Is it, it feels like a hard one to crack, but we're starting to see the dominoes fall. Massachusetts is a super strong um, uh, voice in that area of the country as well. Uh, so I look forward to seeing you all at our national conferences, as well as our other regional events happening across the country. Before we go, I do want to ask listeners um, if you would take just a couple minutes to log on to thecannabisindustry.org slash podcast survey. I'd love to hear what you think about the show and hear more about you and what you like about the show, what you'd like to hear more of, and really give us some information about your experience with NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. So that's thecannabisindustry.org slash podcast survey, if you don't mind. So Andy, thank you so much for spending this time chatting with me and, and sharing some really good advice for people in the industry. Where can people find out more about you and your company? So you can uh, go to cannabisfacility.net and you can find out uh, more about our company and the cannabis side. Uh, it's a vertical as part of a larger company called Mosaic Construction. Uh, and that website is, uh, is that. It's Mosaic Construction, two C's in the middle, dot net. Uh, and it talks about all of our experience and all the different verticals that we provide. 
Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us. And thanks to everyone for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.